What's up, everyone? You're listening to another episode of Kicking It with Krish. I'm Krish Kumar, your host, and I'm thrilled to have you join me for season three. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Kicking It with Krish. Today, I'm joined by special guest Jared Dillon, the president of business operations for Orlando City SC. Welcome, Jared. Great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Krish, it's a, a privilege to be here with you, buddy. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Let's just start with your background and your educational experience. Talk about the University of Oregon Sports Marketing Program, how that kind of shaped your career path and where you are now. Yes. Well, I don't want to uh, bore you and your listeners too long of a, I've been doing this for a while, so I'll give you the, I'll give you the abbreviated version, but uh, now I grew up in the San Francisco Bay area, played sports my whole life. And really that's what got me interested in pursuing sports as a profession. Uh, had the privilege of, of playing football at the university of Oregon while I was going to school undergrad there. And uh, lo and behold, not the reason why I was there, uh, and quite frankly, I didn't even realize it probably until a couple of years into school uh, that Oregon had, you know, a top five sports marketing program in the Warsaw program and uh, never actually enrolled in that program. I was already way too down the line, double majoring in English and history and had a business minor. And I was completely going a different track when the idea of working in sports kind of came about. But through some great mentors, uh, you know, had the opportunity to sit in on sports marketing classes, uh, take some business classes as a minor and really changed my whole direction of my life and what my profession would be and switch gears and really went hard after a lot of advice from uh, Rick Burton, who at the time was uh, overseeing the program. Uh, Bill Moose, who was the athletic director, um, had a lot of uh, a lot of great people kind of helping me steer my, my ship in the right direction. And was able to, you know, go back and 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 get a job in minor league baseball, selling, you know, ten dollar minor league baseball tickets back in California where I was from, and that started my career uh, jumping into that. Uh, and at the same time, went back to school and got my my MBA at night uh, because I just felt like advice from those mentors. I really needed to to get a better business, strong business background. So did my Sonoma State. Uh, kind of between Sonoma, uh, my my MBA between Sonoma State and San Francisco State while I was working for that minor league baseball team, the Sonoma County Crushers, and then transitioned into a full-time ticket sales role with the uh, San Francisco Giants. Yeah, you mentioned the Sonoma you know, County Crushers. Just talk about the responsibilities you had while you worked for them and kind of what that led to now. Well, for all of your listeners who uh, think working in sports is glamorous and you're going to be around you know, all these uh, multimillionaire athletes and winning winning championships and making a lot of money. It, it takes a long time to get there. I mean, I will never forget that first job. And I was on cloud nine. You know, I thought I had, uh, quote unquote, made it. But my first job out of college, minor league baseball team, the Sonoma County Crushers, which were in the then uh, Western Baseball League, uh, now defunct. Some of those teams, I think, are still playing in, 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 in a league that's out there, but it was independent ball. So we didn't have any support from a parent club. Everything had to be funded locally by your owner. And I was fortunate to join a group at uh, it's in Roner Park, California, about, about 50 minutes North of San Francisco uh, in the same city that Sonoma state is uh, where I was working at, you know, working during the day, going to grad school at night, working on my MBA. Uh, but I really cut my teeth there and it was very glamorous. I was making 20 grand a year. Uh, with no medical benefits, so still on my 
my parents' benefits, thank goodness. I was living at my mom's house, first year out of college, in the garage on a on a pullout, you know, sofa bed. And uh, but again, oh, and I was making one percent commission on everything that I sold. And if you know minor league baseball tickets, they're not very expensive. Therefore, I don't care how good you are, your commission checks are pretty small. Um, but more importantly, um, met some amazing people um at a young age that kind of helped shape my professional career. Uh, and opened up a lot of doors to me and I got a lot of experience and being in that minor league setting, I was, you know, I was able to do everything, sell tickets, sell corporate partnerships, uh, help out with baseball operations, you know, help out with marketing and in-game promotions. And I mean, we even had, uh, I was even like jumping on the mic to do the PA during the game so that our PA guy could slide over to radio and get some radio experience. I mean, it was a all hands on deck, you know, five of us full time running a professional sports team. Um, and it was mom and pop and it was awesome. And, and probably as I look back in my career, one of my favorite memories, um, but long story short, kind of helped me network throughout the San Francisco Bay area and helped me get job experience. And the San Francisco giants gave me an opportunity a year later to join their sales team uh, that I wouldn't have had, had I not had that year of experience there. Yeah, certainly it was a stepping stone for you. And and I'm so glad you mentioned that that's not all glamorous and, and you're working around, you know, multi-million dollar athletes because people have that misconception that, oh, you're always going to work with the greatest players of all time, always going to work with the best teams, always going to be winning rings. And that's just not true. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Now with the Giants, this was interesting. When you were expanding the team's events, it was from 15 to 42 a year and you resulted in 32,000 ticket sales increase. Just talk about the impact of your work expanding kind of these special events programs and how you contribute to professional growth and opportunities within the team. And this is back in like the early 2000s. So for everybody listening, this probably sounds just like, you know, group sales, ticket sales 101 now. But at the time, not a lot of people were doing it. Um, there was a few major league baseball teams that were really kind of leading the way. We were one of them. Uh, a guy by the name of Todd Lindenbaum started the program for the Giants. I was able to kind of inherit it and take it over when he moved on. And uh, the gentleman that is uh, now an executive in the Giants organization, uh, Faham Zachariah, one of the most creative people I've ever worked with, came up with so many cool theme nights. Uh, he's still there kind of running the show, at the uh, helping run the show at the Giants. But essentially our job, uh, Chris, if I had to you know, simplify it for everybody, was figure out you know, how to sell the hardest to sell 3,000 tickets, which was like the top left field corner uh, of then AT&T, now Oracle Park, uh, for the hardest to sell games. Think about like April in San Francisco on the water, freezing, and we're playing a team from, you know, that's not a big draw, whoever that may be, right? And so what we did, uh, we really had a kind of a, a goal in mind of connecting through the community to various pockets of different groups, uh, and we did a lot of, you know, ethnic nights, uh, kind of celebration of diversity and culture, you know, uh, African-American heritage night, Jewish heritage night, Italian heritage night, Irish heritage night, you name it. Um, we, we, we did a number of those. We did a number of other events, college night, singles night, which was, you know, like an, an opportunity for before apps for young people to meet, young professionals to meet, come out to a ball game and sit out in the outfield bleachers at a Giants game, get a drink ticket and have an opportunity to mix and mingle amongst uh, other, other other single professionals. Uh, we had some of the first um, LGBTQ uh, uh, Q plus nights uh, ever done in sports at the time. We were one of the first. Uh, what an honor to be a part of that. And when I look back at the time, 
Um, you know, we were really trying to align the Giants brand with a lot of other community groups that maybe we felt were underserved or overlooked uh, and give those groups an opportunity to come out and celebrate who they were in their group. Um, you know, doing our best to incorporate authentic food, authentic music, all those things. And we had the inventory in those seats that I described before to kind of make it a community within the broader ballpark community. And it just became a huge success. And, uh, you know, I got to do that for a couple of years. And Faham, those guys have taken it to New Heights, Metallica night, Grateful Dead night, like tied in with cool bobbleheads and hats and merchandise, like all these cool things that I don't think at the time we ever had dreamed up. But it just really gave me an opportunity as a young leader in the industry to better connect with the community that I lived in. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget going into all the different neighborhoods and walking into the local mom and pop stores and bars or whatever it was. And, hey, this is the night we're having. We want your group. We want you to be a part of it. And it was literally like two, four, 10 people at a time, you know, and then seeing the relationships come about from that and the friendships. I mean, I can't tell you one of my favorite highlights was like a couple of years later, getting emails from people that met at like our college night or our singles night or LGBT night that became partners and got married and started families. And it all started because of these events and they met at them. And, you know, now as an older guy with a wife and, and three daughters, like I think about the impact of that at the time when I'm, you know, 22, 23, you know, you didn't, you didn't really think about it. You were trying to figure out how you can sell as many tickets as you could, but what a lasting impact. Uh, and the giants have really led the way in that space for a long time. Yeah, big impact and, you know, good strides as well. Now, one of the things I want to touch on, Jared, was you've worked with so many different teams and so many different sports as well. You know, you also were the chief marketing and revenue officer at Vinick Sports Group and the Raiders you worked at. So just talk about the differences in all the different sports and what are the major components that maybe are similar amongst all of them? Yeah, so background real quick. From the San Francisco Giants, became the director of ticket sales at the uh, then Oakland Raiders for three years then I went down to be the vice president of ticketing for the San Diego Padres. After a couple of years there, one of my greatest mentors, one of the best uh, executives in the industry, Tom Garfinkel, gave me the opportunity to move over from ticketing to oversee corporate partnerships and, and, and strategic alliances. Did that for another couple of years there. And then in 2015, moved to Tampa with the Vinick Sports Group, uh, was the chief marketing revenue officer there. Um, spent about six and a half years, my family and I in Tampa, just amazing Amazing time there working for another great mentor in Steve Griggs, uh, the CEO of the Tampa Bay Lightning and Vinick Sports Group. And now fast forward about a year and a half ago, had an opportunity to join the Will family, come over to Orlando to help run our two clubs, Orlando City MLS. And we have the Orlando Pride, our, our women's team, the NWSL team and Explorer Stadium. So just as a real quick backdrop uh, experience, what I will tell you, commonalities that anywhere I've gone, uh, are tried and true. This is my belief, tried and true. And what's helped me be successful and my teams that I've been a part of be successful. Number one, be really intentional about who you're working for and with. Uh, do your research before you take a job. Don't take a job just because of title, compensation, geography. Um, you know, Take a job because of who you're going to work for. And you really believe that they're going to have you and your best interest development in mind. Uh, and two, Go somewhere where you really feel like you can raise the bar, where you have an opportunity to show a business impact, because <clears throat> ultimately those are the the foundations that, you know, that build the building blocks of a foundation for your career. I really learned that early on. I was really blessed to have some amazing mentors. And um, so everywhere I've gone, 
that has been the first thing I've looked at. Um, you know, really even before, like, what's the business opportunity, this or that. Uh, the next piece is, as you go into an organization, be methodical, take time to evaluate, to listen, to meet people, to understand, you know, why things are running the way they are and how are we doing them and get to know people's strengths or areas of opportunities before you just go in guns blazing and start making a bunch of changes for change sake. Uh, you know, when I got to Orlando, you know, I think I took about four months before any organizational changes took place uh, to really evaluate and meet with everybody, sit down, meet with every full-time employee for half hour, 45 minutes, whatever that looked like. You know, when you're meeting with 140 people or so, like that takes a lot of time, but it's also amazing, Krish, the feedback you get, like, you know, by the time you get to interview 20 and you're talking with people, you can kind of see where the tea leaves are. Hey, these are our, our organizational challenges. You know, and so don't walk in like, you know, everything like you've been brought in for a reason and that's to try to, you know, build the, the culture and build the business. But you got to take the time to understand what's been done before. Um, those are a couple of key things I've tried to do everywhere I've been. And that's been through amazing leadership of people that I worked for. I get a question from a lot of students when I have these conversations. Hey, you've worked in minor league baseball, professional baseball, hockey. We even worked in, you know, college athletics a little bit while we were at the Vinick Sports Group with the, the relationship with University of South Florida. Uh, now you're in uh, you're in soccer, men and women's professional soccer, indoor, outdoor, stadium, arena. Like, I feel very blessed to have been able to work through all those. I always get the question of like, you know, how how similar or different are all those experiences, Right. And I think there's a lot of just baseline fundamental, you know, blocking and tackling of leadership, of culture, of sales, marketing, that it doesn't matter what the product is. It doesn't matter necessarily what market you're in. Like there's there's foundations that are kind of tried and true. Devil's in the detail. Then you have to go a layer deeper, right? Like every organization you go into, the people are different. Their aspirations are different structures may be different. When you look at sales and marketing, the community is different. It's a different demographic. It's a different makeup. And so that's where you really start, you know, building out the specific tactics within, you know, the, each of those kind of layers, those goals. But I think there's more in common than there is different when you look across the different sports and the different venues that I've worked in. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned the Well family and obviously they have a passion and, and commitment for sports along with the Vikings as well. Now, what were kind of the driving forces um, when you were at this organization and what, you know, helped you ensure that you aligned the vision that the Wilfs had and the address the goals and the values that they wanted to have and the, the Orlando community as well. You know, it's always important to address the needs of the community. And, and so just talk, talk about that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great question um, because on its own as a standalone, great opportunity, president of business operations to oversee, uh, you know, essentially three professional sports organizations because we have a second tier uh, men's league as well in MLS Next Pro and the men and women's team own and operate a stadium like just on its own merits right there, like in, incredible opportunity. That being said, as I said earlier, anywhere I've gone, anywhere I've made a decision to join, I really wanted to make sure I understood the people and the value of working for good people that share similar values to you. Whatever those may be, you need to make sure you're aligned. If you're not aligned from that standpoint, you're going to have challenges no matter what. And everywhere I've been, you know, there's going to be times where you got to make tough decisions where things aren't going well. And it's like you look to your right, you look to your left. It's just like you're on a team like 
who are those people that are, you know, to your right and left that you're locked arms with, that you're in this when it gets, when you get in the thick of it and it's ugly, uh, who do you want to be surrounded with? And I had a really good experience uh, in, in, in Tampa with the CEO, Steve Gray's there and Jeff Finnick, the owner. And I knew if I was ever going to consider leaving there, that it had to be with a similar type of relationship and people with similar values, et cetera. Um, I didn't know the Will family directly uh, before I, I, I met them and started interviewing in that process. Um, I had a lot of friends in the NFL. Uh, of course, they've owned the Minnesota Vikings for a long time. And I had a lot of friends that have worked for them or worked closely with them. And I just did my homework and talked to a lot of those people. And it was like time and time again, some, some of the best people in NFL, some of the best people you're ever going to meet. And then as I read more about Mark and Lenny and Ziggy and their family and what they've done philanthropically and all the communities that they live or do business in, uh, it was really apparent to me that my, my family and I shared similar, like just personal life values uh, with them. And so once that was kind of checked off in my mind, then it went from, let me evaluate this to, okay, I want to go do this. And let's go, you know, let's let's really get into the weeds and talk about the business and make sure that our plans align. What does ownership expect, you know, versus what we think we can deliver, et cetera. But it was a good process, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure they had, you know, gosh, many, many qualified uh, candidates. I'm very fortunate and blessed that my, my family and I were the ones selected to come here and work on this project. Yeah. And so I'd love to dive in just briefly. What specific initiatives or areas of focus were kind of instrumental in achieving the goals and, and visions that, you know, you have today? And, and another kind of follow up to that is it's so important to immerse yourself with the Orlando community to create a positive relationship with the organization, the supporters, the fans, the leaders, the partners. Um, so what are some of the strategies that you use there to enhance fan experience and just create a positive social impact? It's a great question. Um, I think I would tell you a couple quick things on that on a journey. I'm going to grab a grab a document that's sitting right here next to me because it's very real time that we worked on over the last, you know, eight months together uh, as a group. And that was when I came in here, you know, I'll take a step back. I think it's really important for anybody that's hasn't gone through an organizational change yet, or maybe moved to a new organization that you're going to have to prioritize, put a massive focus on prioritization because you can't do everything as quick as you want. You want to come in and there's going to be a million things that you want to change up or add or subtract or whatever it is. And you just physically can't do it. It just takes so much time, right? So you got to prioritize and you really need to make sure your priorities are aligned with your supervisor, in this case, with ownership for me, right? So we spent a lot of time looking at what that looked like, right? And knowing that there's going to be pieces that evolve as part of our three-year planning or our five-year planning. But more immediately, when I walked in the door here, what were the single most important things we had to to address? Number one, it was internal. It was kind of people, culture, listening, learning. What What do our staff members say about what they love about working here? What are they concerned about? What do they not enjoy? Like, let's figure out those easy wins because I'm a firm believer until you get your own house in order. It's, it's difficult to go do a lot of external things. Uh, we were at a point where we had to do both at the same time because we were standing up three seasons. You know, I started in January, the seasons start end of February, early March. So we had a lot of decisions that it may be made quickly, but you know, in terms of the organization, the, the key takeaways that we had on the culture side that we really wanted to address was development, professional, personal development for our staff. 
And we've gone back over the last year and have put in a number of programs to allow um, our, our staff members to develop in you know, different training programs. Managers begin to start getting better training as they become managers. Leaders just being able to start you know, understanding how to lead at a higher level. Um, that, that, is a, that is something that will never be checked off, done. It's something that is always going to continue to involve. But that was one of the biggest pieces of feedback we heard. The second one was <clears throat> around transparency and understanding as a member of staff, what's our North Star? What's our vision, values? What are our goals? Uh, those hadn't really been laid out before, I think, for everybody as well as they would have liked. So we spent a lot of time doing that. And we've spent the better part of eight months going through and you know resetting our vision, mission, and values as a company. Uh, our vision is to be the pride of our city. Our mission is that we unite our community, create memorable experiences, and fuel passion for soccer. And our shared values are passionate, authentic, diverse, and fan first. Those are all, the, that, that entire process involved everybody in the organization. We partnered with the University of Central Florida and their management group in the DeVos uh, School of Business there, our sports business program. And we took the entire company from ownership to our executive team, to every single member of the staff, both business and soccer that wanted to be a part of that through anonymous surveys, through focus groups, uh, you know, being a part of creating what our vision, mission, values were going to be. Uh, we layered in organizational business goals for the first time, really, and built true business planning around that to support that every single department and then every individual needing to have goals aligned with that. So those are some of the things over the last year and a half we've done internally that really allow us to go through, do the things externally we wanted to do. Externally, <clears throat> biggest priorities for us were evaluating and improving the fan experience at Exploria Stadium. We spent a lot of time evaluating fan data, focus group surveys, et cetera, and kind of the main takeaways that we had that we needed to quickly act upon were food and beverage, uh, game experience, and then just like, a, uh, I would say, guest experience, customer service. So what we've done, uh, the first one around food and beverage with our partners, Oak, Oakview Group, Hospitality, we completely reimagined uh, last offseason coming into this season, our food and beverage program. We launched uh, the Orlando Made brand uh, and food and beverage program. We, I believe we're up to around 10 uh, all local Orlando base founded uh, food and beverage partners here in the building. Uh, that are doing extraordinarily well. We spend a good amount of money to rebrand all the food and beverage around the building, working with local partners. We wanted, when you came here, we wanted you to see, feel, taste Orlando. We wanted this venue to be different than anywhere else in terms of food and beverage. I think we've accomplished that. That was probably our biggest year over year change in the stadium. Number two, <clears throat> technology. We're going to address that this off season, looking at video boards, camera production, our video control room, so that all of our great marketers, game presentation folks have an opportunity to really impact the fan experience. Uh, that is phase two that'll be happening over this off season coming up here in the next you know few months before we kick off for next year. <clears throat> Pardon me. And then number three was just enhancing and really creating a unified guest experience, customer service kind of journey. Uh, we have a number, just like any venue, right? We have a number of third-party vendors in the building. I have, we have our staff. We have our food and beverage vendor and staff. We have our security, our ticket takers, our ushers, like all these people, upwards of like 800 people working here on a game night that are interacting with our fans, our attendees. And we wanted that 
we wanted that customer service to be really standardized. And so we brought in a, a woman that worked at the Minnesota Vikings, a homegrown Jessica Morgan from Orlando, brought her back. She's created our gold standard training, and we've laid out a really consistent, what I feel is one of the best customer service kind of programs in sports. And all of those people that I mentioned, from myself to uh, you know an entry level, doesn't matter what position, front of house, back of house, vendor, full time, doesn't matter everybody's going through that training to make sure our guest journey, our fan experience is the best that it can be. So those are like the key biggest things that we've tackled in my first year and a half here. Absolutely. And it's been great, you know, learning about your diverse background and obviously learning about your journey to how to, how you got to where you are and all the strategies and initiatives you're planning with, with Orlando FC. So thanks again for coming on, Jared, really, really appreciate it. And I'll definitely have to, you know, catch you at a game. Hey, Chris, and, and last thing, just in leaving, and thank you for having me, but just for all of your, your listeners, because I know congratulations to you, by the way. I know you got a huge listen, uh, listenership and a lot of people that that tune in. I uh, appreciate you inviting me on, but you know, just for what it's worth, I think the two best takeaways for anybody that's starting out their careers in sports, you know, find really great mentors, find people that throughout your career will give you guidance uh, on you know, what they've been through, what their experiences are like to help you. Uh, and number two, I get a question a lot from people on like, well, hey, how can I connect with people that are in the industry? I don't really know anybody. Man, this is the best industry in the, in my opinion, it's the best industry in the world. Everybody that's going through this has been in, in those listeners foot, you know, um, shoes, excuse me, they're starting their career. How do I break in? I think, be thoughtful and be intentional in how you reach out to people. But most people, you know, will give a student or someone young in their career, uh, they'll give them 15, they'll give them a half hour, right? And and, and they'll sit down and they'll talk. Uh, but part of that is when you get that opportunity, be very intentional with their time, you know, come with some really good questions, not just, hey, what's it like working in sports? Like, no, come with some specific questions like you did today on like, hey, tell me about this. I read this about your organization or your career. Uh, or here's something I'm thinking about or a, an issue I'm dealing with. How would you advise me? Like come with really specific uh, questions uh, or, or topics that you wanted to discuss. But I like to think my colleagues and I in this industry understand that, you know, we want this industry to be better than we are right right now. And over time, like, so our job is to pay it back, uh, pay it forward, if you will. Right. And Doing things like this or taking personal one-on-one -on -one calls or meetings once in a while is, is an easy way to do that. So just a couple little nuggets for whatever it's worth. Uh, thinking back on when I was younger in my career, what I would advise. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and once again, thanks, Jared. Well, that's a wrap. See you next time on Kicking It With Krish. Stay tuned. 